0: actor i should know his name because he's really famous Justin Hoffman. yeah, yeah Dustin there we go I'm sorry, I'm sorry. my
1: goodness man. i know who he is i'm Just terrible so I'm know, gonna... i struggle with his name <laughs> like hell i forget my... his name all the time yeah welcome to the what's Up the podcast where we fashion ourselves cinematic judge and jury my name is jj Carter i'm here with my co-hosts matt senheiner better red than dead and Alec Burgess. Let's get it. We appreciate you tuning in. Go ahead, hit that follow, subscribe, like, bell notification, all those fun buttons that help you keep up with our episodes and watch that stuff. You can find us wherever fine podcasts are found and also on YouTube, which you probably already know, depending on where you're listening or watching. So yeah, we appreciate it. Today, we are reviewing Sleepers. It was released in 1996. It was written and directed by Barry Levinson based on the book of the same name written by Lorenzo Carcaterra. It stars, Jason Patrick, Brad Pitt, Billy Crudup, Ron Elder, Joe Perino, Brad Renfro, Jeffrey Wigdor, Jonathan Tucker, Mini Driver, Robert De Niro, Kevin Bacon, and Destin Hoffman. And a whole lot more that I just was like, I'm done putting names on this list, which I kind of feel so bad. So many. For, but yeah, I mean, it's, in, it's immense how many people were in this movie, whether they were well-known or not well-known. Would later be well-known. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. some of the kids have become big in their own right you know the kid that plays young shakes was in the sopranos well judge i want to since this is your movie i think you should tell our listening audience why you recommended this yeah it's funny this is one of those movies that i forgot about like i watch it and then i forget about it i actually saw it in theaters in 96 we snuck into it because it had brad pitt in it and it had at the time jason patrick was huge and robert de niro obviously is robert de niro so and kevin bacon so we heard all these names and we didn't know any better i mean i was 15 so we obviously weren't supposed to go to this movie it was rated r but we snuck into it in kentucky for shame jj yeah and then we watched it and at 15 we wished we hadn't like (laughs) you know what i mean like so as a kid, like I didn't appreciate the movie and the story it was portraying and the difficult topics that it's covering. And, you know, it's a very dark and, and heavy movie, but it's so well acted. But for me, I picked it because it's one that we were watching other stuff on HBO and I was flipping through everything and I saw it and went, oh, man, I haven't watched Sleepers in ages. And then it came about that we had issues with Baby Geniuses 2, so we couldn't oh watch God, it. You yeah, I got to that too Yeah, you do. Shit. I don't want it. I know. I don't either, but it's happening. I already confirmed with uh, Charles that we'd do it. So that we had the, the DVD to pass around. It, and we were screwed either way because he offered to send it to his copy to us. <laughs> Wait, so, you talked to Charles? What? I through email. Wow. Yeah, he emailed me again. Oh, so. Charles. He listened Charles, to us say we weren't able to do it. You're a thorn in my side. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he emailed us. So, yeah, I, I was flipping through HBO after watching the little shop of horrors and saw it and went, man, I want to watch this. So then when it came up that we would need a movie, I recommended it because it's so good. And then I watch it and I remember why I watch it, but I also remember why I take a lot of time in between watching it. Cause mm-hmm. it, it is a heavy movie. It's a, it's a hard movie to watch in moments, but across the board, in my opinion, it's some of the best acting out there. How could it not be with the cast that's in it? And it, tells a hard story, but it tells it in a way that doesn't shy away from anything, but it also does it in a not shock value. And then on top of that, it's the, the Count of Monte Cristo is one of my favorite books. And so mm-hmm. the tie in to the Count of Monte Cristo and, and how that whole thing plays out, it's just an all around entertaining movie. And just, I enjoy watching the acting, not to mention the music's composed by the legendary John Williams. And it is so good in the background when all the moments and yeah, I just, it's funny about that. I find myself while the music was good, the acting was
0: so good that I didn't uh, like the music doesn't actually stick out to me. I just finished watching a little while ago. Not that the music's bad, but I think the acting is so good that I didn't even, I just didn't even need it. Yeah. Or they, or they worked so well together. I just never even thought about it. It just was perfect in that regard.
1: I always notice it in like the happier moments. Like, so this movie will transition you from, really dark stuff that's going on with these guys and these kids. And then it'll move to these flashbacks of them playing in the, the hydrant and you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and this music transitions to where it's quite interesting because it's really dark and then it'll move into what feels like a happier melody, but it's still in a, it's a very minor key. So it still has this melancholy feel to it. So it's just really, like you say though, Matt, it plays really well. what's going on but that's the genius of john williams right the guy knows how to draw you in but yeah i i'm interested to hear what you guys thought because i could gush about this movie for hours but this was your guys's first time seeing it both of you right
2: yeah i'd never seen it before never heard about it before didn't even know it existed and i really enjoyed it for me i love that the count of monte cristo has become like in cinema the de facto prison breakout standard yeah, like you have it mentioned in this movie, it's all about Prison Break. You have it in the Shawshank Redemption, where there it gets little mention. It's almost like it pops up everywhere as the the gold standard for how to break out of prison, which is so cool because it's such a good book. Yeah, and then I actually after I watched this because it put up that title card about how this is you know based on Lorenzo's kind of telling in his book and how there's some dispute over whether it actually happened or not. So I was reading about it, and I came across a movie review from a guy that I really hated mm-hmm. what he said. And JJ, you might have come across same review. Mm-hmm. We could talk. We could talk about it later near the end. I'll give my little rant. But I was like, "Oh, this makes me like this movie even more mm. after seeing what this bozo wrote about it." But yeah, surprisingly, I really enjoyed it. Nice. That was great. Very yeah, I don't true. think
0: I. There was anything I really disliked about. I think at times, did I want an action's not the right word, but this this movie definitely moves at a slower pace for sure. And not that I, I minded that, but I will say a, a two and a half hour runtime. There are times like there's some some things maybe they could have cut out. Um, where I think JJ said it best. So this movie is really good, but it requires a significant time investment and an emotional investment. Like this is not a movie that you can kind of just have on in the background or be watching, but your attention gets diverted because you go make a snack or, or something like that. Or you're talking to someone, the dialogue is critical in this movie. And you need to be present, seeing the emotions of the actors on screen. And that's not a, a knock on the movie, but I do think the one area I did suffer a little bit was just the pace of the movie it was a little slow for me at times.
1: Yeah, I think that's my when I watch it it's interesting for me because and I've talked about this on the podcast a few times I'm not a huge fan of movies that their backbone of the movie is a narrator, right? So where we're we're getting tons and tons of exposition to tell this story. And so it's really interesting how much I enjoy this movie because 90, eh, probably not that much, but 75% of it is a lot of exposition. And you see a lot of the things on the screen as the narrator who who is voiced by Jason Patrick, the character of Shakes, who walks you through everything that's going on and is explaining the emotion, which again, in most cases I don't love, but I think in this movie, it serves as like kind of a buffer for just the raw awful things that are happening to these kids in this prison. And then as adults going through this process of the explaining this really complex setup of revenge against these guards and, and what happened there in the whole prison itself. So it's really interesting to me how much I like it, but you're right, Matt's and it does slow down to a crawl at times. And I think there were times, especially, and I don't want to downplay the emotional moments, those moments that are really hard to watch, but I think they spent a little more time than needed in some areas with the repeat sense of abuse, or I don't need to see every single time. And I guess you don't, but there's like three or four, I think there's four moments where people are getting pulled out. The kids are getting walked down that hall. And I think you could have bookended it with the first time he walks them down the hall and you realize what's going to happen Then there's a middle one where it's just one or two of them in their cells. And I think that's enough. And then you could bookend it with that final moment when he shakes is about to get out. So they all have to take that final walk. And I think you could have shortened the football scene. I think.
0: Yeah. The football, that was the one where I, like I got it, but I was just like, okay, feels off brand.
1: Yeah. It was, it was long. I appreciated the need for understanding that, yeah, the tying at the end, like yeah, get the that the kid but. gets killed because of it. But they went ham in that football
2: game. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> oh, I think of the longest yard, and they uh, the longest yard took footage from this movie. Yeah, dude, I, I was just thinking about when I was fourteen, growing up with Javier. He and I were fourteen, and we would get into shenanigans like this with like our youth leaders, right? So different dynamic, but still full grown dudes, and we would. Bounce off of them. Yeah. Like, we wouldn't be able to tackle anybody. We would just well,
0: these guards off. must have been a bunch of just white dudes or something because 14 year old boys, yeah, got, your kids are tough as nails. Yes. Well, some are and super tough so- and you're going to have some big ones, but still, I'm sorry. I'm like, the guards should have won. Like, yeah, you have
1: problems. Well, I mean, I laughed because, like, it showed, like, the one guard, like, I expect to see these. Kids, one of these kids dropped kicking a guard, but they show one of the guards dropped yeah. kicking the kid. I'm like, On his holy bowl. shit! And they had the
0: spikes and everything. Yeah, the only thing that made me laugh was the the youngest friend, his the one that turns into the lawyer. I forget his name. He's like, like running the football and scores a touchdown. And I and I guess they had so many blockers. So I was like, that little kid, like he would have just been destroyed.
1: No, like, that little kid is John. Is John. So he's That's the one the, with the, 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 the red goatee the and the the uh, weird okay. wicked yeah, yeah. beard that I was. Yeah. I got that, but he would have died in that football game because he was so
0: teeny back then. Yeah. Like, he would have just been destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> it was funny
2: because he looks like he's 10. Like, why would you pick yeah. him to
0: be on the team? <laughs> I will say that it looks like a 10 tough year old. He had quite the jaw, that actor. Yeah. Back then, I was like, well, oh, dang. Like, he, he couldn't have found a better person to come from Hell's Kitchen. Yeah. What was surprising to me, though, I didn't know at the end that this was, I had suspicions that this could have been based off a true story but i didn't really know until they talked about it i wasn't surprised at the end when um obviously i think it was was this in new york new york yeah, state new york. yeah or they completely denied everything i mean what are they supposed to be like oh yeah this is totally true like but i mean sad that this stuff probably still goes on today to a lot of extent like he just People in power, man. I mean, think this movie beats it home that people can do a lot of things with power. Yeah.
2: Oh, it is happening today because just a year, a year and a half ago, Mm -hmm. they found all those mass graves of kids, Indigenous kids who were sent to boarding schools. Yeah. That were killed or I did not know that died and then buried the Yeah, they found them in Canada somewhere. Mm -hmm. A few of them where there was like 150, 200 bodies in a single grave underneath a church or boarding school. Yeah. Yeah, it's,
1: it's still happening yeah. it's ridiculous that's why I don't trust the government <laughs> I, I don't trust I don't trust most institutions. how about that? There you go.
2: I will say I thoroughly enjoyed De Niro's performance as Father Bobby. Right. This to me is how a church leader should be mm-hmm. <laughs> and the problem is for every father Bobby there's a thousand nokes yep. in every single. Institution, like JJ said, and it sucks because you have the Father Bobbies who are ride or die for these kids, you know. And I think that honestly, the best kind of leaders are the people who fucked up as kids because they've been there, they've done it, they know. They're coming at you; they'll come at you in real time, like, "Hey, don't do it. I know you're gonna do it, but don't do it." And when you do do it, I'll be there to help you out. But I, uh, he was the best part of this movie
0: the oh, character would you, and the, would you really do what he did though that i mean that's a huge moral dilemma right there are you gonna actually be truthful to the letter of the law and are you gonna follow the spirit of the law like i think that was just an interesting position right there
2: oh i'm doing what
1: he did 100 yeah i'm perjuring myself no question
2: yeah yeah no like doubt. how corrupt the legal system is. Absolutely. Yeah,
1: because for so, me
2: it goes to. I'll take my chances with God in the afterlife. <laughs> but you, th- <laughs> yeah. you think he that's hasn't. what gets me sent down to hell? You knew he all knew, my though, other sins. <laughs> that the
0: the two guys, their names again, escaped me. That were on trial that already had murders out for them. He he had to have known that yes, they're murders and two, they're probably going to either end up dead or kill more people. But he still decided to give them that win. And I guess maybe in his mind, he did that because of all the injustices that happened before them, that they just needed something positive in, the, in their lives. Because since that correctional facility, since that point on their lives, it effectively ruined them.
2: Well, it's also agency, right? He's giving them their agency because they had just the worst possible atrocities happen to them that put them in this position. So he's almost wiping their slate clean for them, right? After this, he's kind of saying, you do what you do, I'm here for you type of a thing, but you're both adults, but he's taking care and kind of wiping the slate clean from when they were kids saying, Hey, I'm here for you. I'm always going to be father, Bobby. I'm walking away type of a thing, but you know where my congregation is.
1: I'm swing on by. So that's how I took it. I'm also back their choice. I'm a little more petty than that. Like I think about it from the perspective of, and and maybe petty is the wrong word, but like maybe the chicken and the egg conversation is the right thing to say here. Look, I, Hell's Kitchen in the 70s, these kids were most likely, I mean, obviously, you see that they're running deliveries for King Benny early on. So it's not like they weren't involved in underhanded things. But would those two have become what they were, to the extent that they were, had they not been abused, right? Had they not been put in that situation that does some serious damage to you psychologically, emotionally in all those arenas, would that have translated differently to what they become? And me and Father Bobby's situation, if they had killed anyone else, I wouldn't have done it. But that one human being that they kill, that's the one time in my brain that I'm going to perjure myself because they don't deserve to go to jail for that murder, in my opinion. And I think most people do. I don't want it to sound like I'm saying I'm the only one that would take that stance. I don't believe that. I think there's plenty of cases where child molesters and things like that go to prison and they certainly do not have a good time in prison. It doesn't go well because we need to protect our children. And it's terrible that things like that happen. So for me, that's an extension of what I would do if they had said, you know, if they had told father Bobby, when they came out of the boys home and said, here's what happened and they do everything they can to make these guys go through the justice system that way to me. And it's, it's an extension of that. So it's almost like that situation exists in a a vacuum for me where I can forgive that. Whereas I wouldn't, I wouldn't have perjured myself if they just killed some random person on the street. Right. But the situation, that's a tough one, right?
0: Yeah. I think I think what you laid out, It's that makes a ton of sense to me. I wish I could pull my dad in here. My dad, uh, for listeners, is a professor of economics, but he specializes in game theory. So it's all about decisions humans would make. And man, that one would be an interesting dilemma because I could see a lot of people... I think a lot of people want to say just like we are that we'd swing as the, as the priest in this movie and do that. But man, what they, they showed a little bit of is the, the priest going through the internal dialogue or thinking and thinking, I think i would lose a lot of sleep. Just to be completely frank, I think it would be very, because if, if that's a man of faith and a man of principles, and he's tried to leave a lot of that life behind, I think I would personally think about a lot of, well, I want to do right by these individuals. There's a lot of injustice, but what's going to happen after this? Am I just going to let two killers walk free and kill more people? And I don't know if I feel exactly great about that, but at the same time, you kind of want to back up your boys in a sense. I don't know. It, it's it's tough. I know I would personally would lose a ton of sleep over it. And I, I want to say I would do that because I have done things to a lesser extent that would fit that, pro- to a much lesser extent. <laughs> let's be completely frank. I'm happy to lie and put on a good face for the people that I like and, and help them out. But. I've never been pressed to something that grand before. Cause if it did backfire, like if that other lawyer screwed up, then I'm getting screwed too. Cause I'm purging myself. So, but I, I love that conundrum. I love movies that make me think like that. Yeah. And that's a lot of what this movie is about is what extent are you, you going to go as the friend, as a lawyer and the individual in the newspaper to help your other friends who, you know, are, really bad people but you also know that they're bad because of what jj talked about most likely because that freaking correctional facility ruined them yeah
1: well and i i think that's one of the other pieces of this movie that i love is brad pitt's character michael like the fact that he became a lawyer and then went into the prosecution side of being a lawyer and to simply make sure to find out a way for this to happen. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like that level of, again, that Count of Monte Cristo level of- Revenge. Yeah, of plot. And because that's one of the the things that I love about the Count of Monte Cristo when I read it is that this is the epitome of the long game, right? Like you are so hellbent on your revenge, you dedicate your life and however long it will take to get there. And I love that he- he stopped being a lawyer period. Like, you know what I mean? Like he just was like, that was the only reason I did what I was doing. It's done. I don't care. And now I can go live my life. So to me, like that comparison of you have Tommy and John who have turned into killers and criminals and that's how they've dealt with the trauma. And then on the flip side is Michael that much different. That's the question, right? He might live a life that on the surface seems like it's very law-abiding and it's good. But at the same time, how much of himself has he sacrificed in a different way? And to me, there's not much difference on, on the surface there is, right? But down deep, there's not much difference between a Tommy and a John and a Michael and how they've dealt with that. Especially when you consider the piece with Minnie Driver's character and the fact that he's so traumatized that he can't even be intimate with this woman that he obviously loves. And I, I rewound it. I made Casey watch it. She was coloring while we were watching it and she'd never seen it, which was shocking to me because she usually knows all those movies, especially those dark ones, but she was coloring in the scene on the train when she's sitting in front of him and and she's talking about, I wish you told me and maybe things could have been different. And he's just kind of, almost touching her hair. And like, to me, that's like perfect Brad Pitt, like only Brad Pitt. Like he has some facial expressions that just destroy your soul because you can feel Mm -hmm. everything that he's feeling just by the expression of his face. I think that's one of the things that makes Brad Pitt so good at what he does. But when he's doing that, like to me, that scene is so emotional because it's him reaching out for the thing that he could have had and wanted so badly, but he couldn't let go of his torture and his damage and his plot for revenge, his need to get even in order to reconcile those two sides of his life. Yeah, it's so powerful and just hopeless and understandable at the same time.
2: I really like that. It was kind of Michael was the leader of the gang, right? It's Lorenzo's story. He's the one narrating it. But Michael's the one who comes up with the scheme to rip off the hot dog guy. Michael's the one who comes up with the football plan to get back at the guards. And then it's Michael who wraps it all up, and it's his plan to, you know, get revenge. So I thought that was really cool. They continued that throughout the entire movie where, yeah,
1: Lorenzo's the one who's telling the story, but it's Michael's show. Yeah. like He's running with it. Well, it's the parts they play are the same as kids as well as the adult like you said he's the plotter the thinker the planner and you've got john and and tommy who are like the doers they're the go out and get it done and then you've got in this one it's shakes who's the distraction kind of or like that outsider that's connecting everything together like it's quite interesting to see that dynamic. You're right, as an adult, they're still doing the same thing they did that got them in trouble. They're running the same cons. Yeah. And what a terrible way to get yourself put into prison, into the juvenile system, cause you stole a fucking hot dog. And the worst hmm. part is I can see the mentality of those kids, right? Like it's it's all funny and hilarious. You're like, I'm gonna steal a hot dog cause I'm hungry. It's easy to do with this plot. Let's take it the next step further because it'll be funny. And then it goes tits up on you on accident. Never intending to go that far. But man, its I could see myself doing something stupid like that. I was watching that entire
2: scene and I was thinking, dude, these kids are brilliant. <laughs> I was like, I would have ditched the hot dog cart and kept running. They're like, no, here's what we're going to do. We're going to hang it over the steps a little bit and then let it go as soon as he grabs it because then we can get away yeah i was like dude that's smart that's some next level thinking right there no it wasn't smart no No. it wasn't but i guess i guess since this is
0: like basically it's a true story that the hot dog car did kill a man but man it was hard i was trying to think i was like could that really happen? Like, I guess it did happen, but
1: didn't kill him. He was in. Oh, that's right. Didn't kill him. He was that's in the right. hospital. It really messed yeah, him yeah, up, yeah. but yeah, didn't kill him. All right. That makes it. Feel- I forgot
0: that they showed him in the hospital bed, man. That's a pretty stiff punishment though. For Those are
1: heavy. Those things are super yeah. heavy. Cause if you think oh. about it, they've got a giant, they've got like a double wall it's been back then, especially like the propane tanks. Mm-hmm. Those are heavy as it is, but they were bigger, taller propane tanks on those, so they're they're very heavy. Could definitely do some damage. Now I think it would have rolled a little different going down those stairs.
0: Yeah, I'm like, I don't know if it. Yeah, like the physics on that i need mythbusters yeah. to come in on this and be like well would, would it really go that way yeah <laughs> think, those, those little
1: wheels stood pretty strong going down those, yeah, those like subway okay. stairs uh, i'm sure that was a impressive. cool
0: scene to shoot yeah but one of the other scenes that made me kind of chuckle because it's funny this movie wasn't overtly funny or meant to be but the scene with um the defense lawyer, the who's the actor, I should know his name because he's really famous. Justin
2: Hoffman. Yeah, yeah Justin there we go. Just, My sad, just, goodness. I know who he is. I'm just terrible. So I'm know,
1: gonna... I struggle with his name <laughs> like hell. I forget his name all the time.
0: Yeah. But that too. scene where he's obviously looking through the script and couldn't find it is going and going. And then they're just like, ah, uh, he's like. Brad Pitt's character, Michael's just, like, ah. And then later at the very end, the friends are like, man, we felt so bad for you. Cause like you were doing so horrible. Cause they didn't obviously know what was going on to so be more believable. Like that juxtaposition was always funny to me. Cause they didn't know that it was all kind of set up and the defense lord at times, like struggled to, to say what he needed to say. But then when he did figure it out, it was pretty convincing
1: overall. I love when Carol leans over to shakes and she's like, it's like pulling teeth. <laughs> because <laughs> he just can't like that scene where you're talking about he's flipping like 12 pages at a time and then poor michael sitting there at the table like trying to get him to ask the questions like i loved that part where michael had anticipated the right stuff for him to ask and pretty much written the script is so good so good i was just gonna say dustin hoffman the way he like
2: ran his words oh. together like i know he's a method actor and he's fantastic at it but this was like next level, where he's so fluid with his uh uh, uh flip 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 uh 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 nice ask yeah. a question and just just no pauses he's just continuously talking. Yep, it was wonderful.
1: Yeah, love it. A couple other people I wanted to mention in this movie that I love is Fat Mancho, the freaking <laughs> the, the guy that was constantly as an adult and then his kids like the guy is so funny. The That's Porter dude. Yeah, it's just <laughs> great. And you need that guy like it's just random and helps move the because it is such a heavy movie. So I appreciate that they threw him in there in serious moments. And it wasn't that he was trying to be funny. It's just his delivery is so out there that it makes you laugh. And then the other one that I really appreciate is like a side character that was so much more important than he really gets credit for, and that being King Benny, man, that old man. And the fact that it was like, there's no question that Michael choosing to prosecute should have gotten him killed in that situation. And King Benny just shut that shit down. And I love when he tells shakes, dude, you're in my end of the pool. Now you keep your hands clean. You let me handle this side of what's going on and you uh, find a witness. Yeah. You go get your witness and I'll take care of the ugly stuff. I just enjoyed how that was something else that I loved and it was really the community as awful as it is for all the different reasons comes together to stand beside these guys that really, I don't know. It's such a moral (laughs) dilemma to know whether or not they should be stood by, you know what I mean? But at the core of what happened to them, I don't know how you don't at the same time. So it's just so interesting every dynamic in this, but
2: Oh, I love that dynamic. I love the organized crime versus the system dynamic. Yeah. The thing that bugs me, and this kind of bugged me in Miss Marvel, too, for different reasons, <laughs> but it's the support structure that these kids had. Yeah, Like, you have the best support structure. You have a community behind you where if you told Father Bobby on one of his great number of visits up there, like, hey, shit sucks in here. He probably he's gonna believe you because he spent time in a facility exactly like this, or yeah. it was the same facility. I don't remember which one it was, but it he really. spent time in a facility that's at least like this. You tell him, hey, shit's bad in here. He is going to move heaven and earth to get you out of there, even if that means going to the King Benny and working up a scam yeah. to bring the whole freaking facility down. So like, and again, I'm outside looking in. Sure. I don't know what these feelings are like for people who have to go through these traumas, but I mean, when you have an entire community behind you and you know that your community is behind you because that's, what's been beaten into you. I mean, we get that scene where uh shakes watching away with his dad. And there's that drug dealer that just got strung up on the lamppost. Yeah. Like you do not mess with hell's kitchen unless you are from hell's kitchen. And even then there's a certain group you can mess with and you know, you it's a community united together. Like, dude, yeah. you can't ask for a better
1: support structure and say, Hey, shit's bad up there. Do something King Benny. Yeah. I love that, that. One of the first things that the narration talks about is there's a lot of crime in hell's kitchen, but the one rule is you don't commit crime from people from hell's kitchen. Like you just don't, and so, and that makes a lot of sense to me. But yeah, I mean, and I guess there, there's the public service announcement, right? Like if, if you're going through something like this, man, tell somebody. There's You got to have somebody that you can tell. And there's a lot of places that you can call, things like that. So Yeah, suppressing domestic abuse
0: and things that are on par, even lesser extent, find, find people to talk to. Yeah,
1: seriously, email us. We'll, we'll give you some resources. We can find them for you. Like, seriously, it's not not okay she, my, so, my
0: my wife can yeah. help give you some advice that's what she does all the time that's why she
1: didn't watch this movie yeah. with me because she she deals with this stuff that's yeah i, I text the and I was like ah, uh, you might not want to watch this with taylor <laughs> i didn't think about it because she deals with things like this on a daily basis so it impacts her in a different way than it impacts some of us so. well, yeah she
0: wants said it's like it'd be like me watching some movie about helping people get hired i'd be like no i don't want it's just like oh i'm done with this shit or jj watching movie about how to make a training video he'd be like nah i'm good like
1: pass hard pass (laughs) (laughs) Um, all right can i go on my rant now jj hang on let me let me just mention kevin bacon because kevin bacon is like he's a phenomenon to me because as a person, if you watch interviews with him, things like that, like he is such a likable dude, but when he plays a villain and like, Oh, he just, cause you just hate this son of a bitch during this movie. Even before you know what's happening when he breaks up the fight and he makes them eat the food off the floor. Oh, what a fucking prick. Like he just, he plays such a great villain. So kudos to, to Kevin Bacon rant away alec rant away okay feel free to edit
2: any of this out but so i researched this movie a little bit after watching it and i discovered a review by a roger ebert roger ebert of course yeah so uh you can read the review for yourself if you would like to but this is a passage that made me mad uh, so it reads, if you doubt that the movie depends on homophobia to justify its morality, ask yourself, if the boys had been beaten but not sexually molested, would the movie play the same way? Would the priest arrive at the same decision? Would the verdict seem as justified? It's necessary to discuss the underlying morality of sleepers because the movie so smugly tries to exploit it, meaning homophobia, without acknowledging it. And I about went through the roof. Wow. Because the problem is not homophobia, it's pedophilia. Yeah. Like, that is a disservice to the LGBTQ plus community, lumping them in with a group of pedophiles and trying to get some kind of faux justice or clout. And I was pissed. Because
1: how can you miss the mark by so fucking much? He even has a, ooh, okay here's a quote that says the movie's real subject is a homophobic revenge fantasy which it justifies with the cosa nostra version of honor gross what a prick yeah that's not what this movie's about
2: i discovered that and i about lost it and that made me like this
1: movie even more yeah because that is just fucking ridiculous I never liked him anyway, as far as his reviews go. But that's gross. I've like, never that's... seen any of his reviews, but no. and I I think that's a it's a valid point to bring up in that things like this, especially back then in the nineties, were often confused and misinterpreted as because of the the unfortunate judgment towards the homosexual community and and that lifestyle where people automatically puts it towards this just not good place. And so to compare the two is a choice. So worse, just terrible. Yeah. That's, they're very different things by not even, they're not even on the same planet. So no, that is gross. All right. Should we rate this thing? Let's Let's do do it. it. (laughs) Okay. I'll go first since it was mine. Yeah. I love this movie again. It's one that I forget about because I, I can't watch it all the time. It's a hard movie to watch, but when I do watch it, over and over, I say, man, why don't I watch this movie more? And then the longer I watch it, I go, that's right. I remember it's, it's tough to watch, but I think it's a, it's a movie that needs to be watched. I think it's something that it asks the right questions and it asks the hard questions and it makes you face it in a way that isn't, you know, here's a hard topic. Let's interlace it with just ridiculous amounts of comedy or things to relieve the tension. The tension is not relieved. There are moments you might giggle at something, but the jokes come out as very real life. So they are things that you find funny because you relate to them, not because they're actual comedy. So for me, I appreciate that. The acting is outrageous. The cast list is outrageous. And the story is phenomenal. And I think it really ties with the themes that are out there. And I think it really covers some great topics and does it very well. The music's great. It is a little long. Uh, there are some editing things that could happen, but I understand the struggle might be there to figure out what you cut out to make sure that the story's told in an impactful way. So I kind of let that go a little bit with this, this type of movie because you got to find the balance of making sure that the impact's there, but still make sure it's edited correctly. But I do think there's some places it could have been edited in this one. Um, I'm going to give it a four and a half for those reasons, but if you haven't seen this movie and you can handle watching a heavier topic and I really think you should watch it just because it's so well acted and so well written I don't think you'll you'll be sorry that you watched it. So, there's mine, uh, Alec. Yeah,
2: it was long, and I started this way too late at night. Um, <laughs> before I realized what the <laughs> runtime was, and I was sitting there going, "Oh shoot, that's a bad idea." <laughs> but it was also like it held my attention for most of the movie. Like I wasn't checking my phone or twiddling my thumbs or, you know, kicking oshi or doing anything, any of the things I normally do while I'm bored in a movie. It was great. I loved personally Dustin Hoffman's performance and Robert De Niro's. And I think that if you want to work with youth in any capacity, you -hmm. should have to watch this movie and you should have to watch, you know, Robert De Niro's Father Bobby and use that as the gold standard for how to handle working with youth. And you are not allowed to work with youth until you watch this. (laughs) Um, and I mean, I was just floored by how great it was. And then after seeing that stupid ass review, it bumps (laughs) up even higher. So it's a four and a half for me too. Nice. Phenomenal movie. Don't know if I'll ever watch it again, just because of how heavy it is. And usually when I rewatch movies, I do it for background noise. Mm. Um, This is something you can't really put on as background noise. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't think that takes away from it at all. I think it's a powerful movie, and I really enjoyed it. Four and a half. Nice. All right, Matson. Yeah, this movie's a solid four.
0: I'm going to dock it more for it being... I mean, the pace, I got to be honest, is, is pretty slow. It is extremely well acted. The music's amazing. The plot line's amazing. There's nothing wrong with this movie, but it is two and a half hours. It is an emotional investment, and there isn't really a ton of rewatchability for me just because of the significance of how long it takes uh, the plot. I, it's such a good movie, but I just don't see I, I think it's one of the uh, one of the better standalone movies I'll see. Like, it's going to be remembered. I don't know if I love the ending of this movie. I think it could have, the trial could have ended and they could have had, like, they could have shown me a glimpse of they got together for a second and it could have been done or they wanted to do the true story aspect and say what happened. I was actually surprised you didn't bring that up, JJ, because I know you hate movies that don't end on the high note, but they kind of continue on for another five or 10 minutes. This movie did that for me. And I just wanted them to kind of ride off into the sunset. They could have finished a trial and then flashback to the scene of them dancing and holding them up and saying like, Hey, we had our moment. That would have been fine. But the whole dinner scene, they just kind of repeated it. They should have just picked one and it would have worked for me. I didn't love the ending as much as I thought I would. And be with it being so long that that's why I'm kind of giving it a four because otherwise So many good actors in here, so well acted. It's not a movie I would say is going to be like a hit for maybe date night, for (laughs) (laughs) instance, but like, um, because it's some seriously heavy topics, but something that's impactful and I think makes you think a lot. But yeah, like, definitely one of the better fours and standalone movies I've seen in a long time. Cool,
1: yeah, the ending's a good point, and I think it's the part with them in the water again that i could do it because for me i love the diner scene so much where they're singing and i think it's because of it's the perfect ending in the diner to such a heavy movie because it's so light and airy and these guys you can see that there's a sense of relief even though all these shitty things happen to the couple of them afterwards but them singing, like you get those endorphins back that you haven't had for like two two hours and 10 minutes that you're like, oh, thank God, there's some relief. So, but no, I get what you're saying, definitely. Cool, there it is, sleepers. Go watch it, be prepared. It's rough, but it's good. Sweet, Madsen, tell everybody where else they can find this. Yeah, if you want to check us out at what's our
0: verdict.com, uh see what's upcoming. Again, I know we've got Miss Marvel's popping up, Bullet Train's about to release, something I'm pretty excited about. Need something more lighthearted and fun. You guys need to say the Lord of the Rings and Star Wars ones. The Aurora and, a- <laughs> and- Aurora. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. <laughs> where did I get that from? I don't know where you guys... it. Sleepy <laughs> Beauty? Or- I, oh, I know that, but, but I don't know why I said that. Or- Wait, Andor the- is the Andor Star Wars. there. Yeah, is... Yeah, Andor. a- and then what's the other the Lord of the Rings so one? The rings of that's power. going on TikTok. <laughs> Please do roast, roast away. So we got some of those coming up. We're excited about that. Uh, I know we're dropping Alex crazy shit and he had one of his conspiracy theories. We talk about with uh, kind of food and world hunger and things of that nature. We're going to be recording Madsen's, um cool shit. And then JJ's dumb shit here really shortly. So trying to venture a little bit out of movies and TV as well. So check us out, come listen to us wherever good podcasts can be found especially check us out on tiktok out it's doing some crazy stuff um
1: and we appreciate y'all listening yep absolutely as always we appreciate you tuning in we'll catch you on the next one white magic out